Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I know crypto stocks. We've just seen a ton of volatility. Markets have been crazy. We talk about it a ton. So let's put it on hold for just one day. And we're going to kind of pick up on another news item that is been dominating headlines and could have actually impact on markets as well. And that's Russia's saber rattling against the Ukraine. And we may see a military battle in Europe for the first time in a very, very long time. We're going to talk about AR and VR being utilized on the battlefield. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gaines. Let's take a look at technology that's being used on the battlefield. Let's bring on Matt Wren, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. Uh, Matt, hey, glad to have you on the Gaines podcast. Thank you for having me back, Andy. Always happy to be here. Yeah, and, and as mentioned in the lead, uh, you know, a lot of uh, saber rattling, uh, you know, on the border between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, that brings up the topic of the battlefield and technology that's used on the battlefield. Augmented reality is a big component of that. First of all, let people know what augmented reality is. Sure, absolutely. Augmented reality is the placement of digital information within the context of the physical world. So you're generally, you know, the most common device right now that's being used for it is a smartphone. Uh, So you'll be looking through your smartphone and your smartphone's camera will be on and on the screen you'll see representations, you know, you'll see the video pass through of the physical world and there will be data that'll be overlaid. So it might be 3D objects that are placed in your environment. It could be a video. It could be text. Uh, It can really be any type of data. Uh, But it's, it's the mixing of digital information or data with the physical world that is the definition of augmented reality. So that's the easiest way to define it. And actually, this has been used in the military for years. Uh, you know, one of the, yes. the, the the key things right now that comes to mind that augmented reality technology is utilized is in that Lockheed Martin F-35 Lightning. And we could talk about how they're using it in aircraft and fighter aircraft in in modern day. But the technology that you just talk, talked about with an overlay over reality, it's been used in fighter aircraft going back maybe even to Vietnam. Explain that. Yes, and uh, and that's, you know, that's honestly, it's funny because we talk about augmented reality and most people think like this is modern tech. This is new tech that it's just coming out now. It's been around for a long time. Um, And that is actually one of the first really, you know, really practical, very common applications of AR technology is the heads up display in a fighter jet. Um, you know, and I might be dating myself here. My my personal, you know, movie reference that I go back to for this is Top Gun, uh, where you're used to seeing, you know, the the kind of the radar tracking the other plane and knowing where it's going to shoot. But a heads up display that is that is an example of augmented reality. Um, and when you think about it, you know, it's it's an old tech, and obviously that that technology required a lot of computer hardware to be able for it to work. And you know, it's one thing when that 
type of hardware is sitting in a fighter jet that's, you know, a multi-million dollar gigantic piece of machinery. The reason it's so popular now and we hear about it more today is because everybody has the ability to carry an augmented reality device in their pocket, uh, which is their smartphone. But the technology is old. It's been around for a while, and it's definitely been in use in the military ever since, you know, kind of the first couple of iterations of it. You reference Top Gun. I'm going to have to go with Iron Eagle, but that's for nothing. Iron Eagle. <laughs> I remember that it one. It was between the two. <laughs> it was definitely between the two. I love Iron Eagle. Yeah, good man, good man. So um, back in the 70s and 80s and even in the early 90s, some of this technology was basic overlays, but it, you could see, you could even actually see it implemented then. Fast forward to the current fighter aircraft the capabilities uh, utilize or the capabilities and the tech augmented reality technology in some of these fighter jets is amazing. Are you familiar with 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 the helmet and and the um, the latest fighter jets that are in the U.S.? Are you familiar with that technology? There's actually if there's a really good one that people want to look up to see some really cool. Uh, technology that is augmented reality that's being used in fighter jets. There's a company out of, uh, I believe they're out of Orlando now, called Red Six, where they're actually doing air-to-air combat training using augmented reality in the jets. Oh, wow. That's a, it, What's the name of that company? It's Red Six. Six. Red yeah, Six. So if you go to, I, t- I think their website, I'm afraid, don't quote me on this one, I'm relatively sure their website is red6ar.com. Okay. And I'm, in fact, going to them right now to check this out. Absolutely. So, so that's that F- a really neat technology. Oh, yes, yes. Red6AR.com, Revolutionary Air Combat Training System. That looks pretty interesting. I'll check that out later. When I was covering the Chicago Air and Water Show a couple of years ago, they actually pulled out an F-35. And wow, the technology in that machine is unbelievable. And uh, th- I was really impressed with the headset. In fact, when the fighters sit in the jet and, and they put the headset, I mean, they, it's, it's, there's nothing in the way. It's, it's almost you know how Wonder Woman back in the day uh, rode around in an invisible jet? It kind of, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know, that the one, the, the, the show uh, from like the 70s and early 80s where the Wonder Woman jet and it was invisible and you'd see her flying. Well, it's kind of that experience. For, for the fighter pilot, uh, kind of explain that technology, um, you know, as it's implemented there and in other places as well. I mean, you can not just fighter jets, you can use this in a, a host of other um, vehicles or, you know, implement it in a million different ways. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a guess here that you're talking about the F-35 helmet, the BAE systems helmet? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, that's so basically the way that that works, and I, again, I don't know the specs on it, but my understanding, just having seen a couple videos of it and things like that, is what it's doing is it's actually doing a projection of a, essentially a camera view. So the, the camera view, there's a camera externally on the plane, or there's several cameras probably externally on the plane itself, and so what the pilot can do is they're wearing the helmet, and as they're looking around, um, they're basically, it's almost like they're living in a real-time, real-live 360 video, so they can just kind of see as if the plane around them wasn't actually there, because the helmet's just seeing a projection of a full camera view around them at any given time. You know, obviously, there's nothing that inhibits their view. It's it's really cool. No. Some other areas, um, you know, I know you, you do a ton with the military and augmented reality. What are some of the things that you can talk about? that we're seeing uh, that technology uh, utilized, especially on the battlefield? Well, I mean, with the military, the, the, the big term, the word that you hear over and over again is warfighter readiness. So any tool that can be used to give our warfighters an advantage of, you know, anything that will keep them safer or give them an advantage in a fight or, you know, help them be more practical in their logistics even, because, you know, when we think of war, obviously, we've all seen movies and things like that. We're thinking of the battle. We're thinking of the people who are literally, you know, out in a fight in the field somewhere. But what tends to be forgotten quite often is the fact that it's like, well, somebody had to get them there. There was transportation to get there. And there's a lot of logistics around all of the equipment that gets there. And there's maintenance and there's, you know, base management and housing and food. There's all, all of the things that really go into just day-to-day life also have to be used to support the military. And with every one of those things that somebody has to do, there's also the training that comes around, you know, being able to maintain a piece of equipment, whether that is a weapon system or a truck or even, 
you know, just a piece of electronic computer equipment. Every type of equipment, there is maintenance. There is, you know, um, setup or takedown or support, product support if there's a troubleshooting issue. You know, all of the things that we experience in regular life just day to day, those also translate to the military. And it's one of the things that we tend to forget because when we think the military, we think, you know, an, an actual like battlefield and a fight going on. And there's definitely some efforts towards adding augmented reality content to, you know, and augmented reality capabilities to be able to support the actual, you know, soldier in the battlefield. But there's also a ton of it that's going on that is just around modernizing training and yeah. modernizing things like what we would consider field support, you know, yeah. of equipment. I mean, somebody's got to fix the tanks. Somebody's got to prep the airplane yep. or aircraft. Uh, somebody's got to cook the food. Somebody's got to repair small issues at the base of different pieces of equipment that have nothing to do with the actual battle. <laughs> it may be a support piece right. of equipment. So um, where are you? What? Give us a couple examples. It doesn't even have to be, like you said, it's maybe not on the battlefield, but uh, a couple of examples where they're using this uh, technology in a really cool way. Well, so I can tell you, I'll give you one specific example because this is this is one that Bundle AR does. This is one that my company has delivered. It's, it was part of an SBIR, which is a small business innovation research project, uh, and it was delivered for the Space Force. And you know, it's one of those things where when people were asking me how we're going to use our technology, I would. This is one of those things that I would have never conceptualized, but <laughs> we did it. Uh, which is so there's um, you know when the, when the SpaceX rock when a rocket goes up into space and the astronauts are up there and then it comes down it lands in the ocean there's the people who have to actually get the astronauts out of the capsule once it lands in the ocean and those guys uh, you know they refer to them as PJs or pararescuemen um, as you can imagine a pararescuemen like their day to day job is not jumping in the ocean and getting astronauts out of a spacecraft this is not something they do every day it's a very rare occurrence but they absolutely have to train for when they're going to do it if they're one of the people who's going to be certified to do it. So they used our augmented reality to actually, you know, create a 3D model of a SpaceX Dragon capsule and, you know, familiarize somebody with all the parts of it. You know, here's the door, here's where the engines are, you know, the jets are, here's where you have to watch out for this area because there's a radio transmitter in there and there can be radiation coming off of it. So there's always, you know, there's all these parts to a piece of equipment that these guys are not going to normally approach. But when they're doing this training, they obviously have to train for it. And even, you know, as they're doing their, their kind of lead up to going and actually doing a physical training course, they can do familiarization on this information using augmented reality because the chances of them actually ever encountering an actual SpaceX Dragon capsule prior to the day that they're going to actually swim up to one and get the astronauts out is very rare. They're only going to do it maybe once in a physical training course. So it's getting yeah, those reps in. The reality all day, every day. Wow. And, and now is this information delivered to them through a goggles? I, I guess that's that's the headsets. Is that the the way uh, most of this stuff is uh or utilized is in headsets. The information that we're doing is actually on their mobile devices. Oh, okay. So on, it's, there's nothing. There's nothing classified about this information. So obviously, when you're dealing with the military, you have to be careful of you know secure information. So stuff like that would probably not be able to be delivered by a you know a soldier's personal mobile device. But the stuff that we're delivering, there's there's nothing you know secure. There's no security information about. There's no um, what's called you know classified or controlled unclassified information there. Uh, the information's all relatively publicly available, so and and, and you know you be delivered. Well, I was just going to say you spoke to one thing really quick. Is just because it's augmented reality, you don't need a headset. You said this could be something on a mobile device. Um, and, and, and and I'm sorry, I meant to. You know, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but you know, you just people are so conditioned to think. You know, you need some headset that does an overlay, but when you're looking at your phone. And uh, you could, you know, point it at a particular at something and say there's overlays on that. That's no different. You're not using a headset. Just explain that real quick. I mean, you can use a regular device with augmented reality, obviously. Well, yeah, and that's it's, it's very common. And this really kind of gets down to the use case and how you're trying to use it. So, you know, if you're going to be delivering maintenance instructions to somebody who needs both of their hands, then obviously it's much better to have this being delivered via, you know, a Microsoft HoloLens or a set of glasses of some sort, because that way their hands are free. But if you're just delivering familiarization training, 
where you're going to be showing somebody a piece of equipment and getting them used to, hey, here's all the parts, here's you know step one of the setup procedure, things like that. They don't need their hands free at that point, so it's easier, and it's much obviously it's much easier to distribute information that's going via a mobile device because pretty much everybody has a smartphone, whereas not everybody has uh, you know a HoloLens available to them. Uh, so it really comes down to what you're delivering and how you're delivering it. You can you know there's definitely use cases for all of the above. And you know one of the the biggest first examples, widespread examples of augmented reality technology was Pokemon. Pokemon Go. And that, yeah, so that's uh, from company Niantic, which is the gaming company. They actually had a game prior to Pokemon Go that also used augmented reality. It was called Ingress. Uh, and then Pokemon Go came out. Pokemon Go got really popular because everybody loves Pokemon. Um, but they were, they definitely made, they brought augmented reality a lot to the, you know, the kind of the front, the forefront of consumer uh, awareness. Um, and, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. They actually released a game after Pokemon that I liked a lot more called it, it was the Harry Potter game. Uh, and I'm more of a little bit more of a Harry Potter fan than I am of a Pokemon fan, so I like that one a little well, bit more. That's it interesting. Was and yeah, it was a lot of fun, though. Yeah, absolutely. And you could see, I mean, just seeing how that Pokemon Go worked, that technology, God, it could be utilized in a million ways. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, you have some kind of vehicle, then, and you have a program that you could then hold your phone up, your camera, your your phone up and you know and and take a picture of it with its camera and then there may be overlays that says what each individual part is that you're seeing in in the camera view um give us some other examples of where we're seeing this implemented well sure there's um so let me talk about an automotive company and there's there's two different use cases i'll talk about so there's an automotive company we work with and again i'm going to talk about this more in an industrial use but if you think about it this could be applied just as easily to a military use there's a, a transmission and there's a, a power takeoff on the transmission. So, you know, the, the type of thing that would run like a utility truck. And there might be 15 different configurations of the way that this power takeoff could be installed and have the attachments attached to it and all these different configuration options. If you're trying to train somebody on, you know, just A, familiarize them with, hey, here's all the options, or B, just show them, let them visualize, you know, here's how you would set up option one, here's how you would set up option two, here's how you'd set up option three. To do that, if you think about trying to do that in an actual physical setting, you're going to need a whole lot of very heavy equipment, and it's going to take a lot of time to take somebody through that training. Whereas if you deliver that same information using a 3D model that somebody can just place anywhere in their space in front of them, there's two things that happen. Now, number one, you don't have to worry about transmission. All, you, know, you don't have to worry about locating all of that heavy equipment with the people that you need to train because – they could do that training just on their mobile device. The training becomes much more scalable. It can be delivered anywhere, anytime to people who, as long as they have a smartphone. And in addition to that, so, you know, by doing stuff like that, you reduce the cost of being able to, to actually deliver that type of training. And you're increasing the number of options that you can train a group of people on in a given amount of time. Because, you know, if you're trying to train people on one configuration, that might, you know, if you were going to do it again in a physical setting, you've got to have everything set up to do that once in an actual physical setting. Um, and then you got to take it all apart if you wanted to do it again. You got to take it all apart if you wanted to do the next configuration. Where if it's augmented, now, you just thing. hit reset. Then you could start Basically, over again. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, go ahead. And you can start over. Now, if you were going to do the same thing, think about that in a military stance, and this is more of a hypothetical. But let's say you're trying to teach soldiers how to very quickly set up something like a radar site or a missile system. That's a mobile missile system. Or, you know, um, actually, I'm, I'm not a weapons expert, so I can't really speak to different ones. Right, but, fair enough. I get what you're saying. You know, you're if saying. you think about it, in, in, a, in a combat situation, because, again, there's the combat, but in the combat situation, there's soldiers who might have to deploy somewhere very quickly and set up equipment very quickly so that it's ready to use in a matter of minutes. And, you know, I would imagine these guys are drilling on that constantly over and over and over again. But if you think about it, if you're giving people the ability to – look at a set of instructions and set something up where they can literally see it happening in three dimensions in front of them. And then they look at the equipment that they actually have and say, okay, cool. So this goes here, this goes, it's almost like having, giving somebody real, you know, real time 3d live Ikea instructions just in time as they need it. The fact that you can distribute that information again, it just gives people the ability to get to a level of readiness faster. Um, And it makes them, you know, they, they also then have instructions for things like, Hey, this didn't work troubleshooting. What do I do here? How do I get support? They have all that information at their fingertips in 3D the moment they need it. 
Boy, you could see how they'd utilize that for any kind of troubleshooting situation as well, because things do come up. Hey, we'll throw you the program on how to deal with this. We didn't see it coming, but we're going to give you, we're going to shoot over the program that gives you instructions on how to deal with this this thing that we didn't see coming. So troubleshooting, and you could see this being utilized in, on like a space station. Uh, you know, anything with real time uh, troubleshooting. Uh, that, that seems like a great tool. Hey, real quick, we'll be right back. we got to take a quick break. But as always, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you, that's podcast gold. You'd totally be do, doing us a solid. And then, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Uh, we do gains episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we are will be right back with Matt Wren, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back with Matt Wren, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. We're talking augmented reality uh, and the technology, that particular technology and its uses on the battlefield. Um, We've talked about other applications as well. Um, As you can see, stuff that... uh, you can use on the battlefield training in the military obviously has uses in industrial settings probably even more so well you actually you said something right before we went to the break that actually was it made me think of uh, an article that i've seen previously and i wanted to bring this up because it's one of those things that i don't know if a lot of people realize they've actually used a microsoft hololens augmented reality device in space at the International Space Station. Oh, interesting. Right, well, so I don't when know if when known that. no, I was not aware of that. So explain. I think space, and you you obviously have done stuff with Space Force. You had mentioned that. So you know, talk about not only just the military, but as we look to space and how it's implemented there. Well, I mean, if you so the the two uses that I can think of, and again, these are going back to my you know recollection of an article, but I know that they've used virtual reality. 
Uh, so kind of like we, we had talked about with the F-35 with the helmet where, you know, a fighter pilot is able to see around them, you know, kind of almost in the perspective as, as, as if the plane isn't there around them because they're able to just look around and the, the projection is in the glasses. One of the things that is actually a pretty, it's, it's one thing that people think about a lot is the concept of being able to sort of remote control equipment in a different location. So, you know, the same, the same example of what we had talked about with the, B, the, the F-35 helmet, Imagine that's being used to pilot a drone where the pilot's not actually in the aircraft. He's, you know, a thousand miles away somewhere else, but he still sees it as if he's flying the actual aircraft because he's seeing the projection in the side of the helmet. So essentially he's flying by virtual reality. So I know in space they've used virtual reality uh, for robotic controls. Oh, um, I don't know the details of it, but I remember seeing the article about the fact that, uh, you know, I remember the the picture of the video I saw. I can I can picture it in my head, and I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately. But it's um, an astronaut at the space station, and they've got their hands on the actual physical controls of some robot that, or maybe it's a robotic arm or something. But they're wearing a VR headset, so they're oh. pretty much probably seeing what's actually happening out in space, as opposed to looking at like a monitor in front of them. It seems like there's really two two key things with the AR. You have one of the. I, it seems like the applications for training as you mentioned, and even troubleshooting as, you know, instructions, training, using that as a tool to, to get something done. Um, and then the actual use of, you know, like it, you, that example you just gave there with uh, the use of a robotic arm where they, uh, you know, they have both hands and they're actually doing an application. That's really, really interesting. Um, you know, kind of veering away from space and and, mm-hmm. and the battlefield. I mean, this is obviously being utilized all over the place in business as well. When does this be, you know, I, just like a little sidebar, I've often thought things like, here's, here's an example, virtual reality. There's so much mm-hmm. promise. And when, when I was a kid, not a kid, but when I was a, younger there was a lawnmower man was was a very popular virtual reality <laughs> movie that maybe you saw that as well back in the day the uh, Stephen King story if I remember yes I, I I think so lawnmower man and and um you know back then we're like oh wow it's really exciting and that's so cool and and I, I was convinced when I walked out of the uh theater you know, 30 years ago that, you know, that kind of technology would be, you know, utilized today and people would be into it. And and you know what? They just haven't gotten it right. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get virtual reality right until they make the, the headset not so clunky and big. And, and, and it's just they don't have it right yet, uh, in my opinion, for it to really, really take off. And so I, I'm, I'm curious when do we start to see this stuff in augmented reality as well? Uh, when do they get this right where it really is going to impact our lives on a daily basis? And I know we're, with augmented reality, you're doing some of that on the phone, and, and they've gotten it right there. But with the headsets, you know what I'm talking about? When will it be? When? How far away are we until they actually get it right and we really are just using this in our world. Do you agree with me so that they, you, they no, haven't gotten it right in the first place? You know what I'm saying? I guess that's the first question. And then when do they get it right? Um, I would say we're definitely, so I guess I'll say that I think we're definitely still, we're coming out of what I would call the early adopter curve. Um, okay. You know, so VR headsets, I don't know about, first of all, what's the last VR headset you've tried? Uh, you know, the, the only one that I've been familiar with, the two things that I've, been familiar with as far as headsets oculus mm-hmm. you know a gazillion okay. years ago remember when they had the uh, uh a lot of people have probably seen this one where you're going down this rickety roller coaster uh okay and it was that was a program and it was it was cool kind of made me a little ill because of the motion um so that, that and then the other thing would be you know the apple eyeglasses and that's not virtual reality okay. that's more I'd call that augmented because it's an overlay. Those are my true two hands-on experience with this kind of stuff. I'm sure that there's a lot, and and then and then I actually I, I take that back. There's a couple maybe video games 
where you you put on the the headset unit, you know, something you would you know kind of play around with, like a virtual reality video game headset, that kind of thing. I've I've kind of played with that a little bit, you know, a gazillion okay. years ago. So not I haven't seen a lot of this utilized in, in, in any kind of fresh format, I guess. Uh, well, first, let me let me just invite you anytime you want to come over and try an Oculus Quest 2. Okay. Um, we have, you know, I'm, I'm in wherever you have in Chicago, you're welcome to come over and try it anytime you want. Um, I would say, you know, I definitely, you know, and I, I have an Oculus Rift, which is the first one that they came out that where you actually had it wired to a computer. And then I have an Oculus Quest 1, which was the first, you know, hands-free, like it didn't have to be tethered to a computer. And now the Quest 2, which is the common one, that, you know, I, I don't know the metrics in terms of how widely distributed it is. I know it is, you know, it's got a lot of sales. Like, it is a very widely distributed headset at this point. Um, I would I would argue that VR headset adoption, the curve of VR headset adoption is probably following, and I guess I'm, I'm saying this without actually having the stats on it, but I'd say that the, the adoption curve is probably similar to things like phones, cell phones, when they first came out. Right. You know, it's an expensive piece of equipment. Specialists are going to use it first. Uh, but as more and more people start using it, you're going to see more and more adoption of it. I would definitely say we're getting beyond just the basic early adopters at this point. Um, because, I, I mean, I don't know. I could probably look up pretty quickly how many quests have been, you know, what, how many Oculus Quest 2 have been sold. But I know it's a lot. Right. But not a lot in um, everybody's living room yet. I mean, it's still kind of well, a fringe or, or is it, or maybe I'm underplaying this. And well, and you know, this is the thing, whereas you, I, I will say several years ago, I was the only person probably in my neighborhood who had a VR headset. Okay. Um, and even up till up until a couple of years ago, I was probably the only person in my neighborhood who had a couple who had a VR headset and actually had a couple of VR headsets. I've started seeing more and more of, you know, I have kids, I have a 10 year old and a 13 year old daughter. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, some of the Facebook pictures where, hey, they're, you know, their parents posted a picture of the kids wearing their new Oculus Quest 2. And so I'm starting to see it be more of a thing, I guess, you know, like kind of almost like gaming consoles, um, you know, where those started to when the Atari came out, how many people have had how many people had, uh, you know, whatever it was a ColecoVision versus the number of people that had an Atari versus the number of people that had a Nintendo. A ColecoVision you know, was systems- just just pick up the ColecoVision by far was the best. <laughs> Was the best video game at the time. Uh, uh, first of all, the Smurf I game. I Vision to some of the people. I think League of Vision to some kids today, and they just look at me like, "What is that?" Right, right. <laughs> but it was by far. I mean, that I, I couldn't let you throw that out there with without commenting. Uh, the Smurf game was <laughs> phenomenal, and I mean, Donkey Kong was like arcade version. Uh, but you, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, the ColecoVision, compared to everybody else, had Atari at the time, you know, the 2600, mm-hmm. and then a ColecoVision. And then the other one at the time was Intellivision. Boy, I'm dating myself on this. Yep. Which I, was better than well, the Atari 2600 as well. But anyway, as you said, yeah, go ahead and continue. Sorry to interrupt. Well, I mean, and to that point, so like, and again, I, I you know, I'm sure I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but I want to say, I, I remember seeing a report that there were over a million Oculus Quest 2 headsets sold just in the fourth, fourth quarter last year. Are, are, they, are they way less so, bulky, though? They don't weigh as much? Are they m- much more comfortable to wear? They're very comfortable. I mean, I've, I, I'll admit, I have actually worn mine enough times to wear out the, ba- like, you know, I'm in there for two. I've been in VR for two, two and a half hours until the battery wears out. Oh, wow. Um, and I know I know enough people in the in virtual reality environments at this point that they actually plug theirs in and they just keep it on. Um, oh, I did wow. an experiment myself, and this was actually all the way on the Rift, the first the Oculus Rift, the one that was tethered, where somebody had kind of dared me. They're like, oh, it's not like you could work all day in a VR headset. And then I said, okay, fine, challenge accepted. And I, you know, pulled up essentially a screen. I was in my Oculus home environment and I pulled up the screen emulator, which was showing me my desktop, my computer desktop. And I can, you know, being somebody who's done development and coding for a lot of years, I don't need to see the keys on my keyboard as I type. Right. So I just worked for eight hours in VR. It's it's not that you can't do it. A lot of, I mean, I'll admit that wasn't the most comfortable experience after right. a while. Um, but I imagine with a Quest 2, that that would actually be a lot more comfortable because I've definitely spent, you know, two hours, two and a half hours in there. And all of a sudden I get the little notice that, oh, your battery's running dead. And I'm like, oh, I've been in here for two hours. I didn't even, you know, you don't even notice the time go by. Are you guys doing meetings Especially- and that kind of thing in, in, in VR? Um, you know, I know you're a tech company and have access to all this. I mean, 
have you sat down and had three people in three different places join in a virtual room to have a productive meeting? Um, I would say, I won't say we've done that. Well, like technically we've done that with Bundle AR. Um, so myself and one of my co-founders, uh, actually, when we were starting uh, talking about starting Bundle AR, we actually were in, uh, we were in VR. And I remember very specifically the conversation we had, we went into Altspace and we were playing uh, Frisbee golf in Altspace and talking about starting this company before it started. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yes, that meeting was actually, that actually, that meeting actually took place and it was a business meeting, but we were playing, you know, we were essentially in VR playing Frisbee golf as we were meeting, talking about this, but yeah, that, that meeting took place in VR. Wow. That's very interesting. And, and you know what, here's one other thing. You're in augmented reality. VR mm-hmm. is virtual reality. Isn't, yes. I mean, isn't it kind of the same world? I, I, what made you choose to just go with augmented reality uh, versus, you know, even just calling yourself bundle VR? Why, why did you go with augmented reality versus virtual reality? And isn't it this kind of combining at some point? Uh, the technology is very related, even though it's not the same. Um, you know, the way you develop one is very similar to the way you develop the other. That said, when we made the decision uh, to go specifically towards augmented reality, it really was a decision of, you know, which of the two is going to be adopted and very useful very quickly. So we made this decision. First of all, we made this decision in 2018. So this is four years ago now. Okay. Um, and when you, again, if you looked at the, the entire environment four years ago and you start to realize, you know, at the a business is going to drive this adoption. That's one of the first things we, we realize is like, you know, there's going to be a lot of entertainment use cases. There's going to be a lot of, you know, video game type stuff. But the real adoption of these technologies is going to be driven by business, by commercial enterprises in the military. And so we made the choice to go with augmented reality because, you know, very simply at the time, everybody has an augmented reality device in their pocket, whereas not everybody has a virtual reality device. Oh, and yeah, so, of course. You know, it's really just a simple matter of, okay, well, you know, and we looked at other factors too. Augmented reality today is probably, you know, it's much more mature of a communication channel than virtual reality. Virtual reality, people are still very much using it for gaming and entertainment purposes. And there's definitely some business applications. There's a whole lot of design applications that are being used right now and meeting, you know, business meetings and things like that. Whereas with augmented reality, it was very easy for us to communicate the value that you can deliver to somebody like today with no, with no major investment, you know, exactly what our system actually allows for. Take the ability of augmented reality to get, get all the benefits of the technology without a lot of additional needs. Like you don't have to purchase headsets and distribute them to people. The, the lift to actually develop the AR technology is not hard if you use our platform versus if you're going to try and just develop it from scratch yourself. So we wanted to make the technology accessible so that businesses could use it so that they could get the value from it and start iterating through how they're going to use it. Because, you know, as I've said this before, I think I might have said it the last time we talked, the thing that really excites me about this technology is when somebody comes at me with a way to use it that I haven't thought of yet. I've been using this technology and I've been supporting customers in this technology for four years now. I've gone down the rabbit hole and thought of every use case you could probably imagine, but still to this day, every now, you know, at least once a month, somebody comes at me with a, Hey, I want to use AR for this. Is it a, are these customers that come to you? And because, well, yeah. Oh, okay. And and I think this is an important thing uh, to mention here, you know, as, as we're wrapping up our podcast, bundle a explain to the gains listener, what bundle AR you're a platform that enables people to or, or people in businesses to take AR and and and, and you know if they find out something they want to use AR for they can program it on your platform explain that sure um so augmented reality let me let me start with the first thing i'll say augmented reality and virtual reality it, they're they're tricky technologies they're difficult there's a lot of technical information you need to know if you were going to just going to try to learn how to do it from scratch. Right, right. Uh, and there's tools out there, don't get me wrong. There's engines that help you program in it, but even those, you got to be a developer to be able to use them pretty effectively. What Bundle AR is and what we what we deliver is we have a web-based, so there's no software to install. You literally, just, you know, you get there on your browser. 
it's a web-based creation platform for augmented reality. So you go on your browser and you log in and you get a drag and drop interface. So there's no coding involved and you can just do things like take a video and have, you know, place the video using drag and drop so that it'll play on top of an image that your camera will, your mobile camera will recognize, or you can take, um, you know, you can float an image just on the floor and make a, literally a digital button just appear in your space and have it so that if somebody taps that button, it'll take them to a web page or it'll cause something else to appear. Uh, so we give people the ability to create augmented reality without having to code. And in doing that, what we find is that people start using augmented reality in ways that we hadn't even sometimes conceptualized of. Oh, so they're um, using so, your you know, platform. They're using your platform. And then they come up with something they want a, 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 a use for it. And, and, and a lot of times it's a surprise. I guess, do, you, do your customers probably come to you with ideas all the time? You're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think of that. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I, I try to say that I've thought of most of them. Like, I've definitely thought of a lot of them because I've been playing in this game for four years. Right. You know, we obviously, we were doing this even before Bundle AR existed, too. So I've thought of a lot of different use cases for this technology. I never thought of training pararescuemen to jump in an ocean and open a space capsule. Like, that was one of the ones that I was just like, nope, what's, never conceptualized that one. What's the latest um, one that came to you as a surprise that you were just like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe that? The latest use case that came as a surprise was not really – it wasn't the use case that was a surprise. So we work with Microsoft. Xbox is one of our customers. Okay. And they, they've delivered augmented reality support for the Xbox wireless headset, which is – um, a wireless headset that was released in April of last year. Um, and then also the Elite Controller and the Xbox Series X itself. And they, what they did is they released customer support using oh, augmented right, reality for right. those three devices. And, you know, now myself being, I'm, I'm a tech nerd and I'm the first person, nobody ever wants to call technical support. <laughs> like, right, you know, right. I'm, I'm one of those people. You never want to call technical support. Yeah, especially gamers. So, you know, people who are tech savvy, that's, that's, they, don't, they don't want to pick up phone call. So, we, want to, we want to self-support and get back to what we're doing as quickly as possible. Right. And so, you know, me being a technology person, my first thought would be, well, if I was ever trying to self-support something, I would just go, you know, open up the website and try and find support. What we found is that by having what they found, I should say, by having the augmented reality support, people started using it the, the moment it was released and it started reducing the amount of calls to their call center. So it did two things. Number one, it reduced it. They actually saved money. They, you know, Microsoft as a company saved money because the call, their call center volume is going down and call center volume is that's a big cost for them for support. That's actually the most expensive support they can deliver. But in addition to that, the gamers, the people who were actually using the equipment, their, their satisfaction was getting higher because they didn't have to call support and they never want to, but they didn't have to. They could literally just view this in augmented reality, solve their problem most of the time, and get right back to gaming as quickly as possible. Instead of having to so, go on a phone, being on hold, blah, 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 where this they just have access to the information and um, – go ahead, I'm sorry. And I was going to say, or they don't, they don't even have to go to their computer and open up a website and look, you know, because the same information that's being delivered by augmented reality, that's available on Microsoft's website on support. But then you got to go get a computer and open it, a browser and go look for it. Whereas if you can literally just make it appear on your phone right next to your controller and say, okay, well, which, you know, which issue are you troubleshooting? Well, I can't connect it to the console. So you press the console connection. And as soon as you press that button, there's the instructions on how to solve the problem. Right wow. in front of you. Wow, well, it's literally overlaid on the device. So the customer's happy. Obviously, Microsoft's happy. Mm -hmm. They're saving money. What what a win win. And I, I think that's the interesting exactly. thing about Bundle AR. I guess is the fact that you know if you own a uh, a comic book store or another type, mm -hmm. you're not going to be an expert in augmented reality, but. To, to go to a platform. So you could use it. Right. Oh, yeah, you could use it, and you could come up with a million ways that you could use it. You just, you know, you're not going to want to, you, you don't know how to program it, that kind of thing. You can go to Bundle AR, and that Bundle AR platform will enable you to implement a, a lot of AR things that you have in mind, and, um, you know, it's it's for everyone. It's, a, you know, you don't have to be a programmer. So, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, let me, really quickly, let me give you another use case. And this one, again, I'm not going to name a customer here, but just think about, okay, so I just explained how to do that same the type of support with a big company like Microsoft. Imagine you're a local 
mom and pop restaurant that just operates in your neighborhood in your suburb of Chicago. And, you know, we all know retail and quick serve restaurants, those the turnover on employees there is high. You, you're, you're constantly having to train new people how to, you know, let's say your quick serve restaurant, how to how to work the fryer, how to work the cash register, how to pack the food. OK. And every time if you're if you're a manager of a location like that or if you're an owner of a location like that, every time a new employee comes in, it's taking your manager's time to go and train that new employee how to do that. If you created the augmented reality training for that once, then the employee can train themselves and you're not wasting a manager's time having to handhold and you know manually train an employee how to do those tasks. Whereas, you know, we, we we're talking about a really huge use case with Microsoft and you know Xbox support. You could have a small restaurant and you know that that's actually what I really like about Bundle Air platform is we we enable small business to have access to the technology too. I, I was gonna say like for instance when I was a kid I worked at McDonald's, right? Well they had a, a, mm-hmm. a company make instructional videos that they would send to yep. all the restaurants and that's how they train their staff back a million years ago. But that's that kind of speaks to you, uh, to what you just mentioned. Yeah, if you have a, a location where you just have one location, you can, st- using Bundle AR, you can make an instructional piece of um, video or, or program, just like McDonald's did, but at low cost. And then you don't have to continually... Uh, spend the whole day as a manager. You can use that that material for your new employees and do it at a restaurant that only has one location. You know they've always d- done this kind of stuff for scale, like McDonald's and big locations. And it makes mm-hmm. sense they have a production company at a big expense produced all the training materials uh, that they could use at their locations. You know nationwide, worldwide. But in this case, with a you know, with bundle AR and something like this, a guy who owns a local gyro shop, uh, you know, say it's two, three locations, he could, you know, make a training program that's specific and applicable to his restaurant at a very low cost. That totally makes sense. And then also reduces time and cost when it comes to train uh, new employees in what is a very high turnover business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, again, if, Start to think about that a little bit more when you start to think about like what was what, what were web developers in the mid 90s if you were a web developer you were working there was no lack of work for you in the early to mid 90s so even if you know if the restaurant owner himself doesn't feel comfortable creating ar i guarantee there's you know i don't want to say i say kids but you know, some younger adults in the neighborhood who might have a little bit of a background in graphic arts they could start their own service of hey i'll, I'll create augmented reality training for the local businesses just like there were web developers in the mid-90s who would be like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to set up a shop and build websites for local businesses. So, you know, you're, you're starting to see, and you're starting to see this. I mean, ultimately, there's, there's more openings, job openings for AR developers at all levels. I mean, you're talking, you know, the, the heavy engineering coder guys like myself versus just people who are creating the content. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Content creation is a specialty. I'm actually personally not that good at it. Um, you know, I'm not a graphic artist. I'm a programmer. Um, and obviously the better of a graphic artist you are, the better you're going to be at creating content as well. Do you, do you find individuals who, uh, have their own business that, um, go to clients and say, we can do this and then go to the bundle AR platform. Do you have clients that way? We have a couple of, you know, we kind of call them, I guess the word we use sort of is agency there where it's okay. someone's going, you know, someone sets up their own shop and they're creating AR content using bundle AR for someone else. Do you work so, with those so-called know, agencies? I mean, would you work, do you work Absolutely. with, okay. All right. So that, that might be a possible, you know, for entrepreneurs out there, you know, if you learn this stuff, mm-hmm. you might be able to almost be, you, you call them agents or, or almost a, a middle, middle person in this. You're a creative agency. Yeah. You know, you're you're creating content. You're a content creator at that point. It's almost like the people who are, you know, the, the social marketing, think, think about the social media marketing experts right now. They don't work for Twitter or Facebook, and they don't necessarily work directly for whatever client, you know, uh, XYZ startup that they're supporting. 
but they have a service because they know social media marketing and they know how to use that tool. So they're creating the content and they're selling that service to their customers. You could do the same thing with augmented reality. Yeah. It's like YouTubers. They, they, they all don't work for YouTube. Yep. They're, they're independent and they get, <laughs> get their taste, so to speak. Uh, anything else here? I, we had a great conversation here and covered a lot of ground. Um, and, and we'll be sure to have you on again and just continue this discussion on VR and AR and all that good stuff. Uh, anything, uh, as we wrap up here, anything you want to leave the gains listener with today? Uh, you know, I really want to make a comment about the, the stock market tanking today and Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies, but I'll, I'll leave that. We can talk about cryptocurrency and stuff at another time. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that by the time we do get around to talking to it, it's all rebounded. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, that's, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because I know there's a lot of folks that are a little weary. I mean, we've seen Bitcoin and Ethereum, just the, the the big dogs, literally shave half off those highs not that long ago. So, but you know how crypto is is volatile. Um, and uh, if you would have uh, panicked, say uh, midsummer, the last time it really kind of tanked, you would have been upset a couple months later because you w- missed the big run. Yeah. And I think we're going to see uh, fits and starts with this. Uh, as we just, our final wrap up here, uh, what's your thoughts on crypto since since it has been getting massacred as of late? I, I am exactly where I have been when we first started talking. I continually buy. I have a regular every, every month. I put some money into Bitcoin and Ethereum and I'll keep doing it. Right now, I'm getting a great price for it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's that. That is the play. Dollar, dollar cost averaging. Yep, dollar cost averaging. First of all, in anything, je- dollar cost averaging in in and out of whether it's stocks, crypto, is always a great ta- um, tactic to use. I'm there with you, and I've said this on this podcast a million times. Dollar cost average into Ethereum and Bitcoin. That's the crypto play long term. And by being disciplined and buying at these levels, when it's you know when when Ethereum goes to ten thousand uh, and and Bitcoin goes to two hundred and fifty thousand, you know at, at some point, you'll probably be pretty happy. Or we could be totally wrong and it goes to zero, but I don't really believe that. I, I'm sure you probably see no, the. I don't, I don't think it, I think it's too far along to go to zero at this point. I'll, you know, I'll say the first time I bought a Bitcoin, it was three hundred and fifty dollars. So it, it's pretty significantly high from there at this point. Well, hey, it was great to have you on, uh, and uh, we'll definitely have you on the Gains Podcast again soon. Absolutely, great talking to you once again. Anyone wants to reach us, bundleAR.com. That is B-U-N-D-L-A-R.com. And please hit that like button because this podcast is awesome. Oh, thanks. That's Matt Wren, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR here in Chicago. And that's B-U-N-D-L-A-R here in Chicago. Uh, Hey, as always, I mentioned this earlier, totally be doing me a solid here. Be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option. I've heard that's podcast gold. And then as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We are back on Thursday and we're going back into the markets. I know it's been crazy uh, for stocks and crypto as we had just talked about here. So we will be discussing that then. And I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 